0: Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. This is a little Jeff Buckley with the last goodbye. We'll listen to a little bit more of that later on. Standing by to kick off the show is Dr. Thomas Armstrong. He's going to talk about his latest book, The Myth of the ADHD Child, 101 Ways to Improve Your Child's Behavior and Attention Span Without Drugs, Labels, or Coercion. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for calling into the show.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: I would imagine you've heard all kinds of different pros and cons or, you know, you've heard a lot of different feedback uh, because this is, you know, a touchy subject. Uh, Tell me about why this was so important to write about.
1: Well, I I think that... um, I wrote about this uh, 20 years ago. Actually, I've got an old paper from college that uh, suggests I've been thinking about this for almost half a century. And um, I think uh, what we've seen is a huge increase in the number of kids uh, being identified or diagnosed with ADHD and medicated. So it seems like somebody should um, say, stop for a moment and let's think about we're do- what we're doing. You know, when I titled the book The myth. Of the ADHD child, I'm not saying that there's no symptoms. Uh, the symptoms are very real indeed, but the concept or the, the the category of ADHD, you know, as a blanket term to use, seems to me um, to lump in a lot of different kinds of situations uh, that need to be raised. And so that's why I wrote the book was to raise these questions.
0: It's interesting. I went to a conference in Anaheim a couple years ago, and uh, there was a doctor speaking about this, and they showed a presentation about how, you know, here's Billy, and he left his backpack at school, and he's fidgety on the bus, and and he had all these different things that people would typically throw medication towards, but he was just a normal kid.
1: Right. Yeah, well, that's what concerns me, um, that our developmental expectations for kids have changed radically over the last 20, 30 years, and the sorts of things that... We would call kid behavior twenty, thirty years ago, or all boy behavior, even better yet, as that are actually now being pathologized. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like we've got to get kind of back to where we were. Uh, you know, our preschools and our kindergartens are becoming much more academic. They're putting pressure on kids. The pressure leads to attention problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not saying that there are any differences between kids that get. Uh, diagnosed ADHD and typically developing kids, there are differences, but whether those differences are, you know, a psychiatric disorder is another question, Mm -hmm. and that's what I think we need to uh, spend time thinking about. Um, Our schools have become much more academic in general. There's a lot more emphasis on standardized testing. we have a more stressful society, and so kids sort of buckle under that stress. These are social issues that need to be raised um, so that we're not blaming the victim, you know, putting the onus for the behaviors uh, onto kids um, because, as you say, these, these are oftentimes uh, developmentally appropriate for this child. When I speak of differences, one of the differences uh, that's been studied is uh, the brain development of kids diagnosed with ADHD, and they found out that that, that they do develop normally, but about two or three years later than the typically developing person. So we're talking about a developmental issue here, Mm -hmm. not a psychiatric issue. And a lot of these kids are younger than their years, and uh, yet they're being placed in environments that are stretching the uh, uh, developmental expectations for them backwards. I so they're like caught in a rock between a rock and a hard place and it's no wonder that we don't it's no wonder that we have these symptoms
0: I've heard a lot about diet is playing a big role in helping kids with ADHD like let's say taking them off gluten um, making sure they don't have dyes in their diets you know blue dyes red dyes uh, what's your opinion on that
1: well I, I include um, in my book uh, strategies that include diet and um, one of them is in fact uh, you know, leaving out some uh, potential allergens and also potential uh, problems with uh, food additives. Mm -hmm. But there are some other strategies also out there that are just beginning to be um, uh, disseminated, and that's, for example, the idea that junk food seems to be associated with ADHD behaviors, and conversely, a healthy diet like a Mediterranean diet seems to be associated with lower um, uh, rates of ADHD-like behaviors. I also talk about breakfast um, and that breakfasts with uh, protein and a carbohydrate rather than just a carbohydrate uh, is associated with lower uh, uh, ADHD symptoms. So there's definitely things that parents can do uh, as far as enriching their kids' diet. Food Foods with omega-3 oils in them. Uh, omega-3 oils have been associated with... Uh, lower rates of ADHD diagnosis. So I just think that, you know, that's one part of a larger puzzle that, um, you know, we have a whole bunch of alternatives. That's why I include 101 strategies in the book so that parents know that there are a lot of different ways they can help their kids without, first of all, going to, to medications. I'm not against medications. Okay. You know, for some kids that they make a, a huge difference. Sure but I think that they should be used as a last resort after other things have been tried rather than the first, uh, you know, the way they're promulgated in the ADHD um, community is, you know, if, if you get a diagnosis of ADHD, put them on meds, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like a knee-jerk response, and I want to just put a little... Halt in that and say, before you do that, here's 101 strategies. Why don't you look over this list? I've got a questionnaire in the book so that parents can kind of go through and see which particular strategies might be uh, most uh, appropriate for their kids and uh, see if uh, some of these things help. And even uh, if they do decide on medication, These strategies can help, you know, maybe lower the doses or certainly improve the uh, efficacy of the whole treatment plan.
0: I actually spoke to a student here at UCI who said that she was uh, diagnosed with ADHD years ago and she went off her medication 10 years ago. She went back on for a short period of time and she felt terrible. She said, I felt disgusting. And, right. you know, I've heard that. And, and she said, you know, I just, there are certain things I do. And, and I feel like if a child is, is medicated their entire life, that you don't really ever get to know who they really are.
1: And there are also um, some troubling uh, signs that um, early use of uh, Ritalin and, and similar drugs are associated with uh, actual brain chemistry changes in adulthood. For example, uh, the uh, the neurotransmitter GABA, G-A-B-A, which inhibits nerve transmission, that seems to be down-regulated or um, the amount uh, in the brain lessened as a result of uh, early drug use, uh, ADHD drug use. There's also the troubling uh, statistic that kind of got glossed over when it came out, and that is the, uh, the longest-term study done on ADHD uh, treatments revealed that uh, long-term use of uh ADHD drugs can result in an r- average of 2 inches height loss. Wow. You know, so so you know, that's that's quite a big issue yet mm-hmm. you know it, it came out and you know it left and nobody spent any time to discuss it.
0: Right. I have up on my blog uh which is getthefunkoutshow.kci.org um by, by the way if you're just tuning in we're speaking with uh Thomas Armstrong. Reason number three for America's ADHD epidemic, we disempower our kids at school. Boring classrooms may be causing ADHD symptoms and thus fueling the sale of bad schooling practices adaptation drugs. I'm beginning to think, well, um, perhaps if there are schools that have kids with ADHD, they should tweak the curriculum so that kids have an opportunity to learn differently.
1: Very differently. Uh, very definitely. Um, kids need... Uh, All kids need this, but ADHD-diagnosed kids actually need it more, and that is an interesting curriculum. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, when they're given an engaging curriculum, outside observers who come in and they don't know who's ADHD and who's not, they can't tell the difference uh, between the typically developing kids and the ADHD-diagnosed kids. But if there's passive learning, and by passive learning I mean teacher, lecture, I mean, uh, working in a workbook or worksheet, in other words, the the things that kids actually spend most of the time on, right. uh, that's when they fidget. That's when they have the difficulties. And speaking of fidgeting, one of my strategies is to just let kids uh, fidget, because yeah. there's new research suggesting that fidgeting actually helps them focus. And so mm-hmm. there are a lot of different uh, technologies, little technologies that have come out like bouncy bands, which are these... Elastic bands that you stretch uh, across the uh, legs of a table or or a chair, okay. and they can kind of bounce their knees or their feet off of, and uh, you know, you uh, know, be able to fidget in a way that won't disturb other people. So interesting, yeah, makes sense. Need, yeah, on. we need a lot more interesting technologies like this, um, and and work with the energies of kids with ADHD diagnoses because other studies have suggested. They're novelty seekers, uh, which is associated with creativity. So they need new things. Um, they need new ideas. Uh, they're really challenging, I think, both parents and educators to come up with new strategies that are engaging that will, be not, that will be useful not only for them but for all students.
0: What are some key things you would like people to take away from this book?
1: Well, I think the key thing uh, conceptually would be to question whether or not ADHD drugs should be used as a first resort or as a last resort. I'd like them to think about that issue. The second thing I'd like them to take away is a few strategies among the one hundred and one strategies in my book uh, that that are you know really uh, dovetailed to the needs of their kids, um, so that whether it's diet or letting them fidget or, you know, having them channel their energies into creative activities. I've got, you know, detailed instructions and resources for all these things that parents realize that they have other ways of going about dealing with the issues of hyperactivity, impulsivity, and distractibility.
0: I'd love to see a study where they followed kids uh, from elementary or younger through adulthood and see, you know, the ones that were medicated less or pursued creative pursuits or whatever, to see how things end up.
1: Yes, and you never see, I, I you never see studies that have actually implemented things like project-based learning or creative activities. Uh, you know, I do have a few studies that have showed. Uh, the, the active learning issue is important, but there needs to be a lot more research done on engaging strategies and how they help kids with that diagnosis.
0: I have to say, I was a terrible student growing up, and I didn't really thrive until graduate school because I liked the projects, I like anything creative, I just gravitated towards, so I can relate to that.
1: Yeah. Forget about work, it,
0: workbooks and lectures, no way.
1: Yeah, and this is really important for adults who've been diagnosed with ADHD as well. Although my book is uh, pitched mainly for children and adolescents, there are a lot of strategies in there, including getting exercise, getting enough natural light, um, spending more time uh, dealing with stress management and all that. All those things will be helpful for ADHD-diagnosed adults as well.
0: Where can people find out more about you?
1: Well, I have a website. Uh, it's the instituteforlearning.com, institute, for institute number, the number four, learning.com. And they can see all my books. I've written 16 books. They can read some of the articles I've written on my blog. Uh, lately, I've been writing a lot about ADHD. And so that's a good place to begin. And, of course, my book is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all other outlets.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for calling into the show. It's been great chatting with you.
1: Thanks, Janine. appreciate you having
0: me on. Oh, my pleasure. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Thomas Armstrong calling in to talk about the myth of the ADHD child. If you missed any part of this, it will be up on my show blog within an hour or so. The blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We'll take a mini-mini break, and then uh, we're going to be joined by my next guest. Adrian Finkel is joining us to talk about her project and forthcoming book, The Naked Truth Project. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.